On the line with us right now, the one and only Trey Wingo. Trey is brought to us today by Caesars Sportsbook. Your first bet is on Caesars, bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply, must be 21 plus. Trey, it's been a minute since we've had you on the show. Welcome back. Good morning, guys. Or is it morning? Yeah, it's still morning. I don't know where we are. Yeah. Uh, great to be with you guys again <laughs> in Wichita. How are we? We are great today, and of course, we're going to be talking about the NFL here over the next several minutes on the program. I want to get your overall thoughts on, you know, the kind of a 30,000-foot view uh, of the NFL right now. I know that uh, a lot of people say that the NFL season doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. We're here now in the home stretch. Your overall thoughts, 30,000-foot view, where are we at? Well, I think it's been a fascinating season uh, overall. Um, and I think that it's been a really weird season from a betting perspective. We've had one week where the favorites have come out on top, like underdogs and have, have ruled this entire season. So it, it's been a really, really fascinating season from that perspective. But I think we're getting to the crux of the matter, as, as you alluded to. For example, every team in the NFC East has a winning record. Uh, that's only the second time in NFL history that's happened. The other time, uh, well, since they went to the divisions the way they are. Uh, the other time was 2014 when three teams, all both teams in the AFC North had a, had a winning record for a three-week span this late in the season. So that's crazy. Uh, we had the situation where no one's under 500 after the loss last night by the Patriots in the AFC East, and they're all going to play each other, right? This thing's going to all come down to the wash. And then you look at what we're talking about, I'm presuming in a minute, with Kansas City. They have the easiest strength of schedule left. Now, I know that sounds crazy because you're taking on the Bengals this week, but if, if, if the Chiefs get past Cincinnati, then it's just the AFC West games against the Broncos and the Raiders, the Texans, and the Seahawks. They have the easiest strength of schedule going forward. If they can somehow uh, you know, do what they haven't done in two previous appearances, uh, beat the Bucks, beat the Bengals, and Joe Burrow, they will have pretty much, in my opinion, a lock on getting the AFC East number one seed to buy and potentially a, a fifth straight uh, championship game in Kansas City. Trey, this is this may be to me the most in-your-face season of the league telling us whatever we think in the beginning will not matter. Just you mentioned the yeah. NFC East. There were a lot of people that thought that might be the worst division in football or the AFC East outside of Buffalo. And the AFC right. West stinks, right? The NFC West yep. stinks. They're upside down from what we thought. I mean, it's league-wide that this happens. Do you remember a year where we all collectively, like the collective thought was so wrong before the season started? No. And, and you know, again, I, I was one of those guys that said the AFC West was like an Avenger movie. We need another superstar. Let's get another superstar in here. Turns out Russell Wilson is an Iron Man. He's Aluminum Man. You know, and, and – Sorry, big truck going by. Uh, the Raiders have been the Raiders. Now, they've had put together back-to-back walk-off overtime wins, and, and uh, they're clicking a little bit. But, you know, they've been a massive disappointment. Uh, and the Chargers are the Chargers, for lack of a better term. Uh, we'll see what happens with them Sunday. I- I'm curious what happens with Kansas uh, with, with the Chargers on Sunday because if, if, they, if they don't find a way to take care of business this Sunday, they could be in trouble as well. Well, Trey, I want to get your take on uh, the the drama going on right now in Arizona with Kyler Murray and, of course, all the the comments that were made with Patrick Peterson earlier this week. Uh, Clearly, it's not going well in Arizona right now. Uh, They've got that massive contract with Kyler Murray. Uh, I'm guessing Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the one to fall on the sword. What's your take on that? 
Yeah, Cliff will, um, absolutely, because they're tied to Kyler. That's nothing they can do about it now. But what I found most interesting about it, guys, is that came out of nowhere, okay? Patrick Peterson wasn't asked about Kyler Murray in that podcast. He was talking about something yeah. completely different related to Arizona, and then you said, oh, wait, I'm talking about the Cardinals? Hold on, let me get in the bus. I'm going to put it in reverse and back up over Kyler Murray a couple of times. Like, it wasn't like, hey, what is your take on Kyler Murray? What do you think about Kyler Murray? It's it's like that line from the forty year old virgin where uh, she's driving the car and she gets an accident. That sucker came out of nowhere. I mean, it just <laughs> absolutely just you know I'm just going to roast him and then no one has come to his defense. Right? That's the most interesting part. No one no one in that Arizona locker room has said, hey, what this is crazy, this is ridiculous. Larry Fitzgerald alluded to the fact that he but. Patrick might be correct. Like no one is saying, no one is all in on, Hey man, that's my quarterback. You know, leave me alone. That's, that's my guy. No one in Arizona is saying that. What, what a strange situation. And these, these things happen. And now you, you've got teams stuck with quarterbacks. You've got Denver stuck with Russell Wilson. You've got Arizona stuck with Kyler Murray. I don't think any of us think Lamar Jackson has either one of those guys and feels much safer than both of them at this point. But the Ravens have to see these situations, and it gets more complicated with Lamar's situation going into the offseason, whether they want to potentially put themselves in the same kind of situation. How do you handle this if you're a team and you're not 100% sold now knowing what it could do to you if you get it wrong? Well, the Lamar Jackson thing is fascinating to me. I've, I've said this all along. Like their off season, you know, from top to bottom, uh, is going to be insane. Uh, they're the most interesting team to me <clears throat> in this entire off season. Not only because of Lamar, but let's say they don't get Lamar what he wants. Um, then what? Like, how do you reconstruct the team? Because you have built everything around Lamar Jackson, right? You have, you have put in place a system that you believe showcases his skills and, and sort of hides some of his weaknesses. So if you're not all in on Lamar Jackson, and by the way, that contract offer they made, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not signing that either. Like, you're telling me that you're offering somebody who's $50 million less in guaranteed money than the guy that I've been much better than? Uh, I've been an MVP of this league. I've taken my team to several postseasons, and I've won pl- a playoff game. Deshaun Watson hasn't done any of that. So I wouldn't sign that if I was Lamar Jackson either. It, it's, it's just fascinating because if they, if they don't come to some sort of agreement here on a long-term contract, then the Baltimore Ravens, as we know them, will cease to exist. And they're going to have to blow up the entire thing and start from scratch. Trey, what the hell is going on in Indianapolis with Jeff Saturday? Um, we've, we haven't had you on the show in a while. Uh, he was yeah. named interim coach you know, during that time that we haven't had you on. And then, of course, all the questions about game management, clock management, all of that. What's going on there? Yeah, it's not great. And I, look, i, I got to be clear. I'm completely biased when it comes to Jeff Saturday. I just want to be completely honest with your listeners. He is a friend of mine. He is a dear friend of mine. I would trust Jeff with my possessions, my family, my fortune. Like, that, that's how deep we run. So I, I need to get that sort of out there. That being said, I can't believe I hired him. I loved the fact that he won that first game. And quite frankly, he could have beaten the Eagles if Matt Ryan hadn't taken a horrific sack after a first and goal that where a touchdown would have won them the game. Um, and so they felt like they slipped that one away. And then the game, uh, uh, the Monday night game, like the, the timeouts are – you know, he said afterwards, he, he, after the game, his initial comments were, yeah, you know, I, I was okay with that. I, was, I wasn't worried about the time. I was, 
I was I like the play, and then the next day he said, yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, like he had at least he had he'd owned up to it, right? Look, the Colts are a mess. Um, he sort of fixed them for two games in terms of some of their issues, but the bottom line is you got to win. You know, it's it's not a try hard league; it's a win league. And if if he doesn't win a, a bunch of games down the stretch, this is going to be looked at as uh, a Jim or say, what the hell were you thinking? Situation. So I want the best for Jeff, but I'm not sure it's there. Yeah, I I I think the chances of it being long term are low anyway. I I didn't mind it as much as the public. Um, I I didn't. I guess it didn't. Yeah. It didn't seem offensive for a guy who has that tied to the organization. Uh, just to sort of guide them through the rest of the season. But it's one of those things in the NFL where we look at it collectively almost, like that that singular decision needs to be a part of the bigger narrative picture here. But it made some sense to me to try to do something to get the fan base excited in a guy that you're not the only person, Trey, who's talked to Jeff Saturday's character and how much they love him. Everybody does that's ever been around him. So is it that unreasonable just to to do something outside the box, to do something fun that, you know, the fans might get excited about? I don't think Jim Irsay has any, you know, any false vision that the Colts are all of a sudden going to turn it around and become a Super Bowl contender this year. Yeah, yeah, there's two things, right? And, and the thing that drives people crazy is a very simple concept that some people have a really hard problem dealing with. Two things can be true at the same time, right? Like Bill Cowher can be accurate, and Joe Thomas can be factual in the way they feel about this hiring and how it was insulting to the coaching profession and, you know, it's a disgrace to the people that are in that building working hard. All of that can be true. And at the same time, what you just said can be true. They needed to do something. Listen, I, I was at the week three game between the Colts and the Chiefs in Indianapolis. There were more Jeff Saturday commercials than Peyton Manning commercials. Okay, like he is a revered figure in that town. And there's a PR spin to bringing in Jeff Saturday to try and fix a broken season. That can't be denied. So two things can be true at the same time. It might work if he goes four and two down the stretch. And, you know, then suddenly we're looking at it completely differently. And that's accurate. And so is the idea if you're Gus Bradley or John Fox. By the way, John Fox on that staff has taken two different teams to Super Bowl. So you can say whatever you want about John Fox, head coach. He took Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl and lost, and he took the Broncos to a Super Bowl and lost, but he got two teams there. So, he, you know, you had a guy in John Fox who knows how to do the job, but to your point, if he had appointed John Fox, or Gus Bradley was also head coach in the NFL, if he had appointed one of those guys, the fans would have went boring. So Jeff Saturday shook things up, and I have, I have no problems taking swings with, as long as you understand the – the, the reality of those swings actually landing. If it works, great. If it doesn't, you're going to get all the slings and arrows, and you probably deserve them, but shoot or shoot, right? And that's who Jim Mercedes has been his entire life. Talking to Trey Wingo here on the show. These chats are brought to us by Caesar Sportsbook. And Trey, I want to take a look back to Thursday night football last night. Jacob and I talked about it earlier on in the show. The Buffalo Bills get a comfortable 24-10 victory against the Patriots. There's been kind of a narrative forming a little bit over the last couple of weeks about the Bills and are they as dominant as everybody thought? Well, it was a two-touchdown victory last night. Your thoughts on where the Bills stand right now? Yeah. Again, this is a perfect example. Two things can be true at the same time. That was a really good win for Buffalo. Uh, they went through some adversity. You know, they had to fight through a really, really good New England defense. Uh, so, yeah, that was a good win. At the same time, they are not the team they were 
in September and October. They're just not. Uh, you know, Von Miller's out. He says he hopes to be back. I, I, I have my doubts whether or not we'll see Von Miller again uh, for, for the Bills in this regular season, maybe not even the postseason with that injury if it doesn't go the way he wants it to. And then there are the issues with the running game for the Buffalo Bills, which have been non-existent all year. But when Josh Allen is throwing at the digs and Dawson Knox and, and Davis with the with the alacrity and the and the, you know the accuracy that he has, that has that was sort of masked. The Buffalo Bills are not the team that we saw start the season 41 to seven and 38 to seven. They're not that team anymore. Are they really good? Hell yeah, they're really good. But they are not the unbeatable juggernaut that I think a lot of people felt they were in September and October. So that was a really good win for Buffalo. By the way, it was needed. It was there. They'd been 0-2 in the division, okay? I mean, they had not won a division game. So they needed to put one on the board because they're playing everybody. They got, they got three more of these things down the stretch against really good teams. Uh, so that was important. But I, I don't think people – like, for example, this week alone, for the first time all season, the odds on the Super Bowl championship at Caesar Sportsbook the Chiefs are now the number one uh, seed, for lack of a better term. They're the betting favorite to make it to Super Bowl Sunday. Now, the Bills are right behind them, but right now it's Kansas City, and it's not Buffalo for the first time all season. Trey Wingo joining us here. Trey, let's talk some bets here uh, coming up this weekend. Uh, personally, I it was a bloodbath for me last week. Had my worst week of the <laughs> young enterprise of betting in the state of Kansas. So, just... Need a little lifeline here to get get us back on track here. It's been a rough it's been a rough week. What have you What have you got? What are some of your favorite plays this week? Well, this this is really interesting, right? Because this 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 might be a tough week for that. Like for example, the Jets are going to Minnesota, and Minnesota is defensively challenged. There's no question about it. And the Jets are getting points. I think they're a three point underdog, and they've won five times outright uh, as an underdog this season. Uh, so they, they are not concerned, and Mike White, I think, is going to put up numbers against Minnesota. But then you look at the Vikings. They actually have the longest active streak in the NFL of winning as a favorite. They won 11 straight games when favored. Uh, that's the longest, as I said, the longest current streak in the NFL. It's the second longest streak in Vikings franchise history. They strung together 13 straight wins as favorites in 74 and 75 seasons. So, you know, that one could go either way. Um, the, the Dolphins, the, I think the last five Dolphin games have hit the over. They scored 30 points in four games. Uh, for only the second time in franchise history, but they're playing a Niners defense that shut somebody out last week and has not allowed a second half point, guys, in five weeks. So, like, this this is a very – I mean, I'm, I, I, I feel bad for you, like, if you're looking to get it back this week because there, there are a lot of things that are very contradictory. For example, you know, the Bengals are 2-0 and against uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they've won and covered five straight games in the month of November and December. <sighs> The Chiefs have won 26 straight games in the month of November, December. That's by far the longest streak in the history of the NFL over any two-month span. So, like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you this week. It's tough, man. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, well, helpful. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, and let, let's let's dial in a little bit more on the Chiefs and Bengals. So, of course, we've seen a yeah. lot of trash talk this week between sure. these two teams back and awesome. forth, and. You know, looks like the Bengals are getting healthy in time for this game. Jamar Chase should be back, all of that. Right now, the Chiefs look like to be a point-and-a-half favorite on the road. Uh, I mean, of course, you just kind of laid out what both of these teams have done. But I feel like Cincinnati, we've seen this movie before. They started off slow last year. They got their bye. Then they went on that run at the end of the season. 
What do you like in this game? Is there any? Is there a good way to bet this game? The over/under. Where do you stand? What do you think? I would stick away from this game. I mean, like I, I just there's not anything that I can point out. Like for example, okay, when the Chiefs are right and the Bengals are right, I'm not sure whose best is better. And I, I listen. Cincinnati may not make the playoffs. Like their schedule is like it's brutal. They have to they have to play the Ravens. They've got to play the Dolphins. They've got to play the the Bills. They've got to play the Chiefs. They've got to play the Browns. They've got to play the Bucks. They play everybody. Okay, fourth toughest schedule left. But their best might be better than anybody's. However, the one thing I can say with certainty, I'm never betting against 15. I'm just not doing it. I have the receipts. I have everything. And you don't think he knows that twice last year they had 14-point first-half leads, had 11-point leads at the half, and that defense held them to three points in the second half in each of those games, one they won in regulation, the Bengals did, and one they won in overtime, the AFC Championship game. Patrick Mahomes is a freaking competitor. He knows. And no team and quarterback has ever beaten Patrick Mahomes three times in a row. Yes, the, the Bengals might be a little bit healthier. We don't know what's going on with Kadarius Tony. But if you're telling me I have to pick somebody, I'm riding with 15 until I don't have a breath left in my box. He, he's got the receipts, too. He, he doesn't really keep that quiet. Uh, by the way, he makes it yeah. very apparent. Yeah. Uh, I. I, I've got one more for you, Trey, and it's the other the other side of the coin. In the NFC, who, who in the world is – who's the best team in the NFC right now? I, I got nothing for you. Well, listen, I'm a big believer in the Bill Parcells analogy. You are what your record says you are. So the Eagles right now I have to look at as the best team in the NFC. Does that mean they're unbeatable? Absolutely not. You know, they've tried to stop that run game issue like when since they lost Jordan Davis with getting Dominican Sue and Limbaugh Joseph. I mean, they literally spent, who are the two biggest guys we can find? Let's go get those guys. Uh, and in their heyday, they were great. But they haven't really stopped much. In that game against the Packers, you know, they gave up over 100 yards on the ground and five yards per carry. The problem was, you know, for the Packers is that the Eagles ran for 352 yards in that game, which is absolutely insane. Um, there are some things that concern me about Philadelphia, and I would love to see a Eagles – well, first of all, I'm curious to see how they play against the Cowboys second time around, right? Like, because – First time the Cowboys played them, it was Cooper Rush. They fell behind big early, and the Eagles let them off the hook. I mean, they had that game in the bag, and it got back to a one-score game, uh, which was very unusual. But the Cowboys can be very physical with the Eagles, especially with the way they run the ball and their front seven on defense. But guys, so can San Francisco. Again, again, they haven't given up a second-half point in a week. Like, I'm very interested in seeing an Eagles team take on a 49ers team uh, in the postseason. That game, I think, would be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, there's still a ways to go. We're down in that home stretch getting into the month of December, and uh, it's going to get a lot of fun. And because we're in December, Trey, we're going to get you back here next week, and then I think we've got you the week after Absolutely. that, too. So a few weeks here in a row as we get down to that home stretch. So we're looking forward to it, and uh, thanks again for joining us, man. Guys, anytime, no problem. Glad to be with you.